Welcome back to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online DonahueAccountingService.com. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. And I'm J.T. Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, we're back for another episode. Let's jump right into it. The Bearcats are currently 15-9 after losing to Iowa State 59-68. J.T., thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? Man, man, this is probably... I don't even know where to start. Uh, on this. I'll start with the turnovers. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, turnover, turnover, turnover. I think they're still turning the ball over in fifth third right now. <laughs> Facts. It was bad. Um, honestly, I mean, for them to only lose by nine points with 25 turnovers, your guards, your point guards with double digits, that's kind of impressive. I mean, it's, I mean, Houston. It took them a while to adjust to them on the boards, but it's just like with Iowa State, man. It's like they had no confidence on what they were doing, where they wanted to do per se. I guess, I mean, credit to Iowa State for making it that way. But then when they did get shots up, they hit most of them. They just missed a lot of layups too. Like, So it's one of those things, man. Like they had 25 turnovers, 11 missed layups. So if you make – you lose by nine, you make five to six of those layups, you still win the game with 25 turnovers. That don't, don't even sound like a real stat. No, absolutely not. So that's the thing, like, for people like that's beating up this team, we won't get into that part of it yet, but it just was one of those things. Like, man, you make some layups. I say if you have 20 turnovers, you probably can win that game. And that yeah. sounds crazy, right? Um, sounds like I'm talking, drinking a lot of Kool-Aid, but – it's for real. You you make you miss you get twenty turnovers and only miss six layups of the eleven. You you probably win that game by five to seven points. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But the thing is, it's something they got to address and make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, because they're gonna have to see Iowa State again. I mean, maybe in the tournament, the Big Twelve tournament. But if they want to go dancing in a move forward with all this talent that they have, they, they have to take care of the ball. That's key. I'd rather them miss a lot of shots than have 25 turnovers personally. So it's one of those things where they've been grinding in the Big 12. Um, right now they're on a short end of the stick, but, I mean, they've they still got a good chance, man. I just think they have to uh, – they got to address a few things and get the ball rolling. It just was a little – it just sucked. I didn't, I didn't expect them to have uh, – a 20-plus game in turnovers. I know I'm st- I stuttered on that one, but I'm still flabbergasted from uh, all those turnovers, man. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you, you said it. Um, and, Neil, I want to I pass it on to you. So Give, give some thoughts. Uh, listen, J- JT hit it on the head. Obviously, the turnovers are a big problem, but Neil, touch on some stuff maybe other than um, the turnovers that, that, that stuck out for you. Yeah, outside of the turnovers, I think the biggest thing that really stuck to me, Alex, was the 
offensive rebounding, I mean, you look down, you win the rebounding margin 34 to 24, which that was something we talked about coming in. But 15 of those were on the offensive end, and you only get eight second chance points off of those 15 offensive rebounds. So along with the turnovers, if you cut the turnovers numbers under 20 and you can convert on maybe two or three more of those offensive rebounds and get maybe six more second chance points, we're talking a different ball game. And that, yeah. that's the crazy part of it because with how many turnovers there were, but the biggest takeaway from that was we talked about it, the rebounding battle, they would have to win the battle of the glass. And they did, they did that. But that, that was something that really stood out to me along with the turnovers, obviously, but we have to talk about the play of Jizzle James. I thought he was arguably one of the best players on the court. Despite the turnovers, I thought he single-handedly outplayed Taman Lipsy, Kashawn Gilbert. I thought he looked like the most seasoned player on the court Tuesday night versus Iowa State. 16 points, 6 of 10 shooting, 5 rebounds. And it was just the – Jizzle James's effort was just relentless on Tuesday night. I mean, there was times where, if you guys remember, shots are going up. And who's there trying to get the tip in? It's Jizzle James. And he was crashing the boards and it was just showing the dog mentality for the true freshman in an opportunity where yes, day day Thomas struggled, but they know that these are the two guys that are going to be leading this program for the next few seasons. So they know that they have the right two guys at the point guard position, but it was great to see Jizzle James have that kind of performance on Tuesday night as well. Yeah. So <laughs> So I, I got a couple thoughts, and I'm glad you brought that up, Neil, with, with Jizzle James, because that was the guy um, that I thought, remember I was, when I had to pick a player um, to watch for this game, I picked him because I remember, um, I think it was the West Virginia game when the three of us were together um, at, at Mio's <clears throat> watching the West Virginia game. You know, I told, I told Rich um, from Mio's and some other people um, at that point, I thought personally, and, and, and listen when I say this, I thought at that time Iowa State was the toughest team in the conference. Not necessarily that they were the best team, but I think they were the toughest team, right? And you look at their style of play. Of course, Houston is physical, but I thought of all the teams, and Rich, and Rich called me today. We talked about this today. I said, I think the one team that will provide the or will give us the biggest challenge will be Iowa State. Just, I mean, how physical they are, how they how they make you put your head down, just offensively, all, all kind of stuff. So I thought a guy like Jizzle James, who's a stronger guard, would be able to thrive in that type of game. And he would, you know, you know, I'm physical, too. And, and he's a kid. Listen. Jizzle is a dude that battles, man. This this kid's going to be a flat-out star uh, for the Bearcats. Um, but other than that, I only have two more things that I want to bring up, and then we can you know, kind of move on because I think it's it's pretty obvious the rebounding and the, and the turnover is the, the biggest glaring thing. But um, it was good to see CJ get some minutes. Um, I'm interested to see moving forward. Um, how they incorporate CJ back into, you know, the whole play instead. You know, I know that he was standing a lot um, that game, but, you know, getting some more movement. And, and I understand that with coming off the injury. Um, and then and then lastly, um, once again, it's just disappointing to see uh, Vic in a funk. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he can get out of the funk uh, this Saturday. Um, he just needs to see the ball go in the basket. 
He needs to see some positive things happen on the court to kind of reassure him that, man, I'm a good player. You know, and listen, I, I learned a long time ago, sports and basketball specifically, 90% of it is mental, 10% of it is physical. And right now, the 90% is messing with Vic because we know he's physically capable. We've seen what he can do. It's just in his head right now. So the things that I look at is if we can get CJ back acclimated, get him moving around a little bit more, get Vic back on the positive side of things, I think we'll get this team back on track. We'll sneak some uh, wins and kind of be back in that NCAA hunt where everybody's like, yes, this is definitely an NCAA team. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Man, so I'm going to be a broken record. They got a rebound, but the first thing they got to do is they got to have some feel good on the turnovers, man. After having 25 turnovers, I would love to see them have 15 or less on the road at UCF and shoot at a decent clip. Um, you know, with CJ, hopefully be on the play his third game in a row. Hopefully he can hit knock a couple threes down. But overall, I just hope they just beat just out physical um, UCF, man. Uh, uh, yeah, man, the key definitely is they got to be physical and just inflict some of this pain they've gotten inflicted on the last couple games on the UCF, man, and protect the ball because if they get enough shots up, you should win. You get more shots, you should win. So I don't even care about the shooting percentages. I want them to protect the ball. I don't want to see 20, even close to 20 turnovers against UCF. Hey, JT, let me ask you this. So coming off of that game uh, with Iowa State, obviously uh, Wes Miller was visibly upset in the, in the presser. I saw some of it. I didn't get to see the whole entire press conference, but – very, very upset. JT, if you are Wes Miller and you come to practice the next day or I don't know if they got the day off, but the day after that, as a coach, <laughs> JT, what? first of all, what are you telling your team and what are you working on? Man, it's decision-making uh, more so than anything. Like decision-making, they maybe work on – I mean, you can't really implement – how Iowa State plays defense, but honestly, I probably would damn near do whatever drill that implements looks like Iowa State just so they get comfortable with that. Because if you can be comfortable with, with that defense on you, then everything else looks is easy. So I think I would probably have a couple segments where I just damn near just do Iowa State drills um, where I'm acting, even if I'm putting an extra person on the court where six against five, just to make sure everybody knows where the ball is going. You know what I mean? So when you're in that situation, people in the right spots, you should be able to make a pass blindly. You know what I mean? Um, damn near. So I probably would do something like that um, if I was Wes. I mean, Wes probably has something better than me, but of course, because he's, he's getting paid the big bucks. But uh, <laughs> I would definitely probably do something crazy like that, like where it's like six six on defense. And we just got to figure out where I damn near have somebody at like a safety just to see if we do it for a few minutes. And then we got to have less than so many turnovers. <laughs> Otherwise, yep. I, I'm, I'm still pissed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. No, no question. 
So, so Neil, um, going to you, looking at what the Bearcats need to do to win um, big, because I, I think this 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 next game, this UCF game, is a you know is a statement game, mm-hmm. right? And it, I think it's a big statement coming off of two losses. You've got to come into this and say, we're going to go in here. We beat this team before. We're going to come in here and kick this team's ass. So, in order for that to happen, for the Bearcats to need to win big and kick their ass, what do they need to do? Yeah, for for that to happen, I think first of all you can't get you can't mistake in the talent that UCF has, especially at home, because you look down at their schedule, they got the win versus Kansas at home, they got the win versus Oklahoma at home, and then they went on the road and beat Texas. So UCF has quite the momentum throughout the season, but they have played fantastic at uh, additional financial arena down there in Orlando all season long. So the home court advantage for them is real. But for them to go in there and absolutely, as you guys say, kick their wait, ass. Wait, 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 wait. What? That was impressive. What? What was the arena called? Additional Financials Arena. Wow, I didn't know that. J- JT, did you know that? No, nah, man, I had no Neil, idea. Neil's on it. Do you? So, Neil, do you know like the majority of the arena's names, like the the sponsorship names, like in the conference? I know a good amount, but I have to Google some of them still. Okay, that was that was obviously you Googled that one. That was impressive. I'm sorry to cut you off, but go ahead. <laughs> no, but as you mentioned, for them to go on the road and quote unquote kick UCS ass, I think they have to really do what they did last game, and that was get Ibrahima Diallo in foul trouble. I mean, he played just six minutes versus uh, the Bearcats just a couple weeks ago, and that was because in the first two minutes, John Newman drove, got him two quick fouls. He was on the court for the very I think it was like two, not even two minutes to start the second half. Boom, picks up two more fouls, gets frustrated. They put him back in at the 10-minute mark, picks up his fifth foul, only plays six total minutes. And for a leading rebounder like Diallo for UCF, that was fantastic to get him in that foul trouble because that allowed things to open up. So for them to do that again would be huge. And this That was also the game where they were without Victor Locken due to the illness. They were down 12 points at halftime. And they came out flat. You cannot come out flat on Saturday, in my opinion. For them to win big, they have to find a way to stop Jalen Sellers and Marcellus Avery. I mean, Jalen Sellers took a little bit to get going in the first matchup, which allowed Marcellus Avery to really open things up and get going. But John Newman was fantastic the first time around. I think he's going to be the Bearcat to watch here again in the second game uh, just because of his defensive ability. I mean, Johnny Dawkins even gave him a lot of praise after the first matchup and was like, he's one of the best defenders in all of college basketball with his physicality, his size, his length, the way he just plays. He's tough. He's gritty. I think that's this is the definition of a John Newman matchup on Saturday. And we talked to him earlier this week, and this is a matchup that fits him perfectly. And especially right now with the Bearcats riding this two-game losing streak, Wes even said it himself. They feel like they dropped a couple – they missed a couple opportunities – in the last week or so, and right here on Saturday is a big opportunity for them because if they don't get this one, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have some help or you're gonna have to go on the road and do some damage where you're not really favored to win, whether that's at Houston or at TCU. So this one it all starts right here on Saturday. But for them to do big, you've got to keep the turnovers. JT mentioned 15. I would like to see that number down below 12. If they can keep the turnovers under 12, you win the battle of the glass. And you can really just find ways to get UCF in foul trouble. I think you're cooking. I think you're playing with hot grease is what JT would really call it down there on their home court in Orlando. And if the Bearcats can do that, I mean, 
they're sitting in great hands if they can go on the road and get a big win on Saturday. I think I think he says cooking with grease. I don't think you want to play with hot grease. Yeah, I don't think you want to, but it's cooking with grease. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cooking, cooking it up. <laughs> playing with hot grease, you're in big trouble, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to play. <laughs> the Kenyan segment is sponsored by Greg Hood at Beachmont Toyota. Um, so listen, I, I just got a couple things for the keys to the game. Um, one of which is uh, for us, the Bearcats, points in the paint. I would like for the Bearcats to be at about 40-plus points uh, points in the paint. Now, in order for that to happen, that means we're getting the ball to the bucket. Uh, we're, we're getting some post speeds. But what JT has said over and over in past podcasts, and that is not selling for threes all the time. You know, you know, driving to the basket. And I, I think if this basketball team concentrates this particular game on about 40, at least 40 points in the paint, I think we win this comfortably. Um, but, JT, you've mentioned it over and over, selling for some of these, these wild threes and just crazy shots sometimes. Yeah, man. Yeah, they got to attack. Even if it's the mid-range, man, get it, get it rolling. I think you got to play physical, just attack, man, attack, 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 and see what you can get rolling. And, you know, just on the drive and kick more so than threes. I don't want it just to be come down, shoot a three. Um, especially, I mean, even if you get an disease, just to set your offense, have them touch it. Uh, you know, Jamil for sure, he got a bully. and Hopefully Vic can snap out of it. I mean, we got to hit the elbow. I think, I think Newman has to – impose his will again um think dan you know what i mean just get downhill because cmos does a great job at attacking sometimes he's not as he's passive when he attacks sometimes he has to attack and want to score and then pass on the you know it's the last second option like where even if you're shooting that floater shooting that mid-range he has to attack with a purpose so they i mean they got the people that can do it they just have to do it i think they definitely need to live two feet in the paint before they do anything right now, uh, especially against UCF, and it's on the road, they got to just try to just beat these dudes down. Uh, JT, I, I think that's a great point with with CMOS. I see that over and over with him where he does a good job getting to the paint, and then he's looking sometimes to pass. And yeah. And that's, yeah like, that's not – it's like that's a good basketball play sometimes, but that's not the play. At the, you, know, you know who did that a lot early in his career was LeBron. Yeah. LeBron, you know, he would he would make probably the right basketball play, but it's like, bro, you got to shoot that. You got to shoot it. You got to shoot it. Because the thing is, with Seamus, like, he'll get you on a hip. Like, in LeBron will do stuff like that, too. And then he'll try to pass it, and then it'll be a turnover. Yep. And it'll be like, dog, just shoot the floater or shoot the shot. You're either going to get fouled. Even if you miss it, your person that was you were trying to pass to probably going to have an inside position for the, for the offensive rebound anyways. Because they're going to have to step up. So it's like, dude, shoot that. And then if you start making a few of those, the big man has to creep up even more. And then now you can make that pass. But you got to you gotta show them you can make it first. Because at first, I'm like, hey, I'm not letting you get my that easy pass off. You're going to you're gonna have to lay it up on me or do something. So you got to just be more aggressive. And I think if you see a couple of those go in, I feel like now you cooking. you cooking because now you shoot the jumper, you shoot the mid-range. And then he just opens up the whole floor for him. You can't drive. You can't drive being – you got to be selfish when you drive and just be able to react off of the defense. Yep, yep. And then, as you say, 
Cooking with hot grease. Cooking with hot grease, man. You made a couple of those. You know what I'm saying? Uh, besides having two turnovers, you got four points. That can that could be the difference between a win and a loss. Yep. Yep. The Kenyon segment Keys of the Game was sponsored by Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota. Come see Villa Bearcat Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota for all your Toyota needs, cars, trucks, and SUVs. Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. The Bearcats take on UCF on Saturday at 4 p.m. in Orlando. You're listening to the Bearcats Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Let's jump into the Big O segment, sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. In this segment, we cover players to watch in key matchups. JT, let's see if you can get this one right. Who should we look out for from the Bearcats? <laughs> I've been doing better lately, though. It's not been terrible. Yeah. Been better, been better. So, Honestly, man, I'm going CMOS. Going CMOS. Ooh, okay. And the reason why, I thought about going Aziz just because minutes he's getting, minutes are up, I think, just against UCF. I think he's going to be able to make a real big impact. But to bring it back is, I think CMOS, he has to be aggressive. Like, I think he's been aggressive a lot better um, lately. But I think he has to keep keep that going, building that confidence. I just think he has to take a – a few more shots, you know. So, I like to. I want to see him. I don't even know what I what I want his total to be, but I want him to shoot at least eleven to fourteen times, no matter what. Of of those of those shots, where do you want to see his shots from? I want to see three to five from three, and the rest inside in the two point range. But I want to, if I can divvy it out, I want to, because he 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 gets people on his hip, man. So I feel like if he makes. He makes a jumper, pump fakes. He gets gets them on the hip or makes the move on the pass or whatever. I want to see eight eight to seven inside the inside the two inside the three point line. Gotcha. Okay. So I want him to be more two dominant because if he's doing that, that means he's getting to the hole or getting inside the paint. And even if he's not making it, I think other guys are getting offensive rebounds and getting dunks and layups off of it. Okay, Neil, who do we need to watch out for from UCF? Yeah, for UCF, I think it all starts there with their guard play. I mean, Jalen Sellers was a guy we talked about on the first preview of this podcast for the UCF team. And, I mean, John Newman did as well as the job as he could have done on Sellers the first time, even though Sellers finished with 19 points on 7 of 14 shooting. But most of them came in the second half, but – John Newman, for those who remember, they, he had to make the transition on to Marcellus Avery as well in the first half or in the second half because Marcellus Avery was just cooking from behind the arc. I mean, he also finished with 19 points. 12 of those came from behind the arc, and he affected the rebounding game as well. Avery finished with 19 and 7 on that game. So for those two, everybody knows that it's going to kind of be those two guys that lead UCF down the stretch. Also, their backcourt, I think, is what makes this team special for UCF. That's what leads them throughout this Big 12 conference, and that's why they've been able to have some success at home throughout the Big 12 conference slate. But Darius Johnson shooting one for nine in the first matchup was something I I personally didn't expect. So definitely would kind of keep an eye out to see maybe him try to bounce off and have one of those kind of not perfect nights, but a better night than one from nine. I believe he only finished with three points. Yeah, two points in the first matchup. But for the Bearcats, if they players to watch would be Ibrahima Diallo again in the front court. But as I talked about in the last segment, 
they can find ways to get him in foul trouble, I think they're in good hands, especially being seven foot tall. He's averaging nearly seven rebounds a game, if I remember right. Last game, he was held to zeros on all ends of the court. He picked up five fouls in six minutes, zero rebounds, two turnovers, zero points. I mean, heck, if you can hold him to that stat line again, that would be pretty nice. But overall, for the Bearcats, as JT mentioned, me personally, this is a John Newman game. And the reason I say that was because the way he responded there in the second half in the first matchup was absolutely fantastic. Newman finished with 19 points on 6-10 shooting and 7 rebounds. Dan Skillings finished with 21-7 and in this first matchup. So me personally, on the Bearcats side of things, I'm going to rock with John Newman as the player to watch. But for UCF, it really starts with the two guys and Jalen Sellers and Marcellus Avery. You know what time it is. All right, it's time for the name game with Neil Meyer. This is where we take the opposing team's roster, and we have Neil try to pronounce some of these names. Now, we did this before, but I think this is one of the better rosters in terms of the name, so we've got to do this again. I know earlier or during the podcast you, you, you've mentioned uh, some of these names before, but let's start with this for the UCF roster. Number four. Number four for UCF is Kome Umabor. Mm, say that last name. Umabor. 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 Uh, number 10. Number 10 is Mintatis Mokus. <laughs> sounds like sounds like something you like get at Starbucks. Let me get that. <laughs> say, it <again. laughs> say it again, Neil. M- Mintatis Mokus. Yeah, give me that Mintatis Mokus with a with a sugar. All right, number 11. Number 11 is Ibrahima Diallo. That was pretty easy. Yeah, that was easy for you. Easy one. Number 20. Number 20, our guy. He yeah. is back. Kufa Warakalanakbru. You can now allow Pufa to play. <laughs> oh, man. Poof. Poof, there it is. Poof. That. Is, that yeah, last, poof. is that a last name? Warakunuko. <laughs> 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 yeah, hey, JT, Neil all of a sudden got super ethnic, didn't he? You know yeah, I mean? he did. <laughs> it sounded totally different from the first time. That was hilarious. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, number 22. <laughs> <laughs> number 22 is Nils Machowski. What? Nils Machowski. Nils. Nils. No, <laughs> Nils Meyer. Number 31. Number 31 is Thierno Sila. JT. Hey, we might just do UCF every week. Man, we might have to. Until we get Puka on the or Poofa on the show and he can give us a proper pronunciation. Yeah, we need to get <laughs> we need to get Poof Daddy on here, man. Poof, Poof Main. One of my that the UCF definitely is one of my favorite rosters thus far. All right, the Big O segment is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. All right, so JT, you went with CMOS. Neil, you went with John Newman. I'm going with Dan Skillings. Uh, I believe the first time UC played UCF, Dan Skillings, what do you have, 21, Neil? Is that right? 21 on seven of – or 21 on eight of 14 shooting with seven rebounds. Was that his birthday, that game? 
That was his birthday. It was birthday. Dan. All right. So I'm going with Dan again. And, and listen, um, to my point that I think the Bearcats need to dominate the paint, getting the ball to the paint, scoring in the paint. I think Dan Skilling is going to be a guy that does that. Um, I want to see him attack, get to the bucket, um, get to the mid-range. Uh, I think that's going to open it up for a lot more things for, for everybody to eat, to be honest with you. And, and listen, I think when Dan does that, so sometimes Dan will make a couple threes. And do you guys notice this? And and you know that next shot he's taking is going to, he's launching up a three. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you know that? Yeah. Instead of, you know, you make, and this is one thing that Steve Logan was so damn brilliant at. You know, Steve, Steve was, 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 was playing chess. So, you know, he would make two threes, and then he knew that defender was going to run at him. And then he's yeah. just making going by. You know what I'm saying? He's going by him. Yeah. You're, you're thinking you're playing that game within the game. And I think Dan's still learning that. And I see moments where he does that. But when when he can figure that out, okay, let me get to the bucket, get to the bucket because of my athleticism, knock down a three, knock down a mid-ranger, he becomes unguardable. And then he gets back to – JT, what you said last year, this is the kid on the team with the pro potential. Yeah, for sure. You see it at times. You, you see it a lot. Here. See it a lot. Yeah. Just got to keep putting it together, man, because he, he can definitely – I mean, he's been playing good. He does some stuff that you're like, dang, damn. But he does a lot of stuff. You're like, man, I don't, I don't even think Dan's the only one that can make that play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's that's that, but that's part of his – maturation process and exactly the game late right exactly you start playing at what what grade level do you start playing what freshman it was like close sophomore? sophomore and junior year of high school that's correct it was the summer between sophomore and junior year if i remember right that's crazy if, if he ends up making it to the pros and, and doing well i mean that, that's a story that needs to be told yeah <laughs> i mean that really is that's just i mean he's just so freakishly athletic man so yeah let's, let's hope that all three of the players that we name have big games that means we're winning this basketball game true the big old segment is sponsored by smart dog solutions Do you have a business that needs better inventory control production management or improved accounting control outgrown quickbooks or can't afford netsuite give loyal bearcat grads doug and kathy jacobs at smart dog solutions a call They've been in your position and would love to help you solve your problems. They can be reached at 513-739-9473 or online at smartdog-solutions. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Now, in the Twyman segment, sponsored by Visionary Cleaners, we cover a hot topic. And listen, after that Iowa State game, I think there's only one hot topic. And I saw tweets about this. I heard different people talking about it. Is Wes Miller the right coach for the job? Is it fair for fans to be frustrated and saying he needs to be on the hot seat? JT, we're going to start with you. Okay. So, yes, Wes Miller is the right person for the job. So, just think about it. And two, people, all right, I'll bring back to the other part of it in a second. But this is not even me being a media person, being PC about it. This is just being a realist. Because think about it. 
when he took over this program three years ago, three seasons ago, I mean, it was in turmoil. Nobody was here. Um, it was right fresh off a of pandemic, which nobody had experienced. The team was, I mean, it was just like, it was crazy. I think he came here, I think only four or five people were still like legitimately not in the portal when he came. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're, yeah. The team was simply like non-existent basically because they, yeah. had, they had like four players. Yeah, literally, they couldn't even have, couldn't even had uh, played a three on three when he got here. Legitimately, though, he literally had to get here, re-recruit kids to stay, and then hit the portal for people that um, he knew he could possibly get last minute going to the AAC. Um, it was a struggle season, but you saw promise. The next year, honestly, people don't understand how huge that John Newman injury was. If John Newman doesn't get hurt that last year, honestly, Bearcats make it to the tournament. Sounds crazy. Man, no, it doesn't. Yeah, um, they, they make a tournament. They make the tournament. Juice, Juice, uh, John Newman, and uh and Chaz, they get uh, they get the Bearcats back to the tournament, right? They win double they win 20, 20 games, 20 plus games, go to the NIT. I know people are like, we're in AAC. It's cool, but um so I say all that to say this. We go from the AAC to the Big 12, and we didn't even make the tournament last year. Bearcats didn't make the tournament last year. Everybody knows that, right? Went to the NIT. So we go, you plop yourself when you weren't even a top team in the AAC, and you're competing with the best basketball talent in college basketball off rip. Yep. So. Like people not you got, you got to take a step back. We didn't we weren't even the top tier team in the AAC last year, right? And this year they're competing with. They've already played nine top twenty five teams and they have not got blown out once. They have not got blown out. Just think about that. And they've beaten a couple of top twenty five teams. So therefore, well, let's well, learn. And on top of that, JT, they've done that with an unstable roster where it, it's a different roster every game because of injuries and health and they only factor into the decision like the factor is you talk about the roster but there is also a legal situation surrounding two players like that in itself could be viewed as such a big distraction because of what those young men had to go through that it could have created outside noise in general. So you throw that yep. into the factor of not having a full healthy lineup and they're still going out here competing in the big 12. Yep. They've only had a full lineup, three games, mm-hmm. three games all year. They're not out of the, out of uh, NCAA comp- um out of the pitcher. They might, the pitcher might be looking a little foggy right now, just being honest, but they're competing, playing very well. Um, Iowa State was one of the rougher games because of the turnovers, but just think about it, man. This roster, and then just think about it, like he's incorporating CJ Frederick back in after he's been out for a month. So it's just been like over a month, maybe. But it's just been one of those things. Like he's juggling a lot of things, and he's playing in the best basketball conference in America on the college side of basketball. So like, what did the people expect? Did they expect the Bearcats just to be like? King of the Big 12 as soon as they got in. Like, if and if you thought that, then you were smoking. I need to know what drugs you have because 
I need a piece of that so I can start selling them. I got the, I'm obviously doing the wrong job because whatever you're doing, like you are freaking delusional. If you thought that Bearcats were about to be where Iowa State is right now, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they're not, they're used to this grind. This is a different grind, and the Bearcats are doing very respectable. Of course, they could have won a few more games, of course. But at the same time, is these dudes are like adjusting to different styles every game. You can complain about X, Y, and Z, but they are competing at the highest level. And recruits are saying that the young people are going to get better. Um, but if you say Wes isn't the guy for the job, then who 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 do you get? Who do you hire then? That's what I want to know. Like, who would you hire that would fix it right right now? And, and JT, and to your point there, who do you get to hire? If you let if you let somebody like Wes Miller leave, you hire the next person. It, it all starts over again. Then people are yep. like, well, he ain't the guy for the job if they if they start losing. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, it's for sure. Of like, it's stupid. Something. It's dumb. It's dumb. He got all this talent. Like, he, like, just think about it. Next year, they'll have essentially three top tier freshmen. Just think about it. Because Rayvon Griffin has red shirted. I think he's going to hit the ground running. You yep. have Tyler Betsy, who looks like he, every time I see a highlight, it looks like he's just getting better. You got, you know, Tyler McKinney, who's like just a solid, smooth player that's it's going to fit in. Maybe will he be the one that has to work harder for the minutes? I don't know. But at the same time, you're getting top tier talent staying home. You got top tier talent coming in from the East Coast and it's just going to get better. Like, I don't I don't understand. Like you have you have one year, you'll have one year of the Big 12 under your back, you know, in your pocket. But the same to say people, I mean, I understand, like, understand you can be mad, but people just take it to extreme. It's like they go from zero, what, what, uh, zero to zero to 60 super fast or zero to 100? Zero to 100. Zero to 100. So people are going zero to 100 super fast. Like, like they get Bearcats win a game, so they get false expectations that they're not going to lose anymore. And it's not, this isn't the old days where you're, playing against Temple. Like, okay, if Bearcats lost against Temple on Tuesday, everybody would be pissed and have a super reason to be mad. But this ain't Temple no more. This ain't, this ain't, uh, well, I guess they got Kansas now. You can't say this ain't Kansas no more. But this ain't Wichita State no more. So it's like, I know I'm rambling, but it's just like, you got, people have to take a step back and be realist about the situation um, because it is, they're playing the big dogs. This is the best conference. You drop if the Bearcats play like they've been playing right now. And they're in the Big Ten. They'd be a top fourteen. Agreed. Right now, it'll be it'll be Wisconsin. No, not Wisconsin. It'd be Purdue, um, Illinois, maybe Wisconsin, and probably like UC. They'd be better than what they'll be better than a lot of teams in the Big Ten. That's a good conference. You drop them in the SEC, they probably be top six right now. Right now. And that's not that's with me just watching basketball in general. It's like Tennessee, um, Auburn, Kentucky, I think Kentucky, but Kentucky plays no defense, so the Bearcats would just make it work, make it hard, and still beat them by 10. Because they don't play, they, they're offensively great, but the defense they can't stop, they probably can't stop a high school team. They don't want to play defense, so it's a different thing. Like they'll let you score 100, they'll score 95. So if you stop them a couple of times, you could beat them. So, it, I mean, the Bearcats would be a top tier team in all these other conferences. They're right in the, I mean, they're in the bottom half. I understand that's doesn't look great, but if you understand basketball, you understand they're 
They are ahead of schedule. They're holding their own weight. And the reason why you should be mad is because it's a couple games they let slip. And that's perfectly fine. But for them to from them to if you from that team last year to this team this year, it's night and day. It's night and day. So you have to be a realist about it and stop being so so pissed about the end result. You gotta see how they're how they're grinding and getting there. So Yep. Well said, Neil. Yeah, for me, obviously, I think Wes Miller is the right the right guy at the helm for the Bearcats. I mean, you look down at what he has been able to do from the time he got here to where he is now. As JT mentioned, he got to campus in 2021. They were down to arguably five players after the COVID season, the situation with John Brandon. And then you look down, not only did he have to recruit players in the transfer portal, which at that point was the start of NIL, which was fantastic. And then NIL changes everything. And John Brandon situation, Wes Miller had to go out and he had to really sit there and go not only just recruit the guys in the portal, but recruit guys back to Cincinnati. So he had to build up his own roster. And then the first commit of that era when Wes Miller came here was John Newman. Think about that. John Newman was the very first Bearcat to announce his pledge to Cincinnati after Wes Miller got the job and looked and just look at how that turned out exactly. He's the then most he did, important. He's the most important player mm-hmm. on the team right now. Exactly. And then you look down at the recruiting class he's doing. Not only is Wes Miller doing a fantastic job on the recruiting trail, but this staff as a whole is doing a great job at the recruiting trail, and they deserve their flowers. Whether that's Coach Dollar, Coach Jake, uh, Coach Morgan. I mean, you look down, Coach Miller, Matt Miller. You look down. Look at what they're doing. I mean, you get to. The few seasons you get Rayvon Griffith to stay home. I mean, that's been always been a priority is keeping the local talent home. You get to keep Tyler McKinley at home now. You go alongside, you bring in Tyler McKinley, Rayvon Griffith, Tyler Betsy's coming in, Jizzle James. Wes Miller has landed a top 50 to 100 player in the last, what was it, three seasons? Because Josh Reed was a top 100 player at coming out in 2021, if I remember right. So he is landing the caliber players that they want whether that's four-star guys, high three-star, low four-star kind of guys, and now they're trending into the four, the high four-star caliber players. But Wes Miller has done a fantastic job. And as JT mentioned, you look at this team from last season to now, it's night and day difference because you're heading into not only the AAC, but if you had this team in a conference last year, like a healthy John Newman last year, I would say the same thing with JT, that they would go dancing last season. But then the injury happens, John Newman comes back this season, and they are capable of going into Kansas City in the next few weeks or next month in the middle of March, and they could go in there and they frankly could make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Say they finish the season 5-2, and two, they go up there and make a deep tournament in the Big 12 tournament, a deep run in the Big 12 tournament, then what? Then what are people going to say? You solidify your spot if you can go 5-2, and two, throughout the stretch, and then you go into the Big 12 tournament and you win, maybe you get to the semifinals. You do that, like, you solidified your spot. And Wes Miller is the perfect guy to lead this program. I mean, we saw it the other night. I mean, I don't think there's any – we have ever seen him that frustrated following a post-game press conference. And, I mean, he even said, he was like, I'm not trying to be a prick to you guys. I understand you have a job to do, but I am pissed. I'm tired of losing. I hate losing. But that is just unacceptable. And he accepted the responsibility of how 
in terms of preparation, it falls on him and he sees that. And not only can, does it take a good coach to really come out and admit that, but look at the production he's done on the court. Your first year in the big 12, you lose four games by a combined 12 points. You head into the season. How many people expected that? I don't think anybody. Nobody. Nobody. Bearcat, I can tell you right now that you know how many people circled that Texas game and goes, oh, Texas is going to come in here and quote unquote blow UC out of the water. But what happened? Texas wins on a questionable, controversial travel call. They held them to the very end. They go on the road in a brand new facility down at Baylor, 7,500 people and a brand new facility. You lose by three down to the last minute. You go on the road to BYU, a top 25 environment. An arena that, for the stats that, I don't know if people have seen this, that BYU has sold out every game this season. They have averaged nearly 17,000 fans per game this season, which is the most in the Big 12 Conference. So it's not only easy to win, it's well, it's incredibly hard to win at BYU. They did that. They went on the road at Texas Tech and ruined a 13-0 perfect home winning streak. Not many teams have done that. And after that, look at it. Texas Tech was 45-1 and one all time under uh, Grant McCaslin in the last few years where they have gone 45-1 and one after leading at halftime. That one loss comes from Cincinnati. So me personally, for the people who are saying, oh, Wes Miller should be on the hot seat, that is factually wrong. Which is factually wrong. I think that is an atrocious statement for the fan base to say that because if you look back at what this program has dealt with over the last few years, how college athletics has changed, everything surrounding the move to the Big 12, I thought Wes Miller handled it perfectly. And I think he, what he is doing right now is fantastic, and he is the right guy to lead the Bearcats throughout the Big 12. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Um, so, okay, just to kind of uh, piggyback some of the things you guys said, uh, listen, Wes is undoubtedly the right guy for this job. Um, and there's several things – that go into the ingredients of being a major division one college basketball coach. And if you have these things down, you're going to do a fantastic job. And he is doing that. One is community. And I don't mean these in a particular order. I'm just going through things, but one is community. Uh, Wes has a great sense of community. He has really embraced Cincinnati, the greater Cincinnati area involved in different philanthropic things. Um, so he gets that. He's just not a basketball coach. Secondly, former players. He's embraced former players. He wants them back a part of this program. He wants to hire former players to be on staff. Um, and you got to love that. You've got guys coming back that haven't been back in years. And now all that took was a conversation and somebody reaching out. Wes and his staff have done that. You've got to give his staff a lot of credit. Jake Thielen. Um, a lot of credit for that. Yeah, and Meech, you mentioned that. Wes Miller actually brought Dermar Johnson, a uh, top five NBA draft pick, back to his staff in 2000, I believe it was 2022, where he spent a whole season before taking an assistant job at West Virginia. Wes Miller didn't have really any relationship with uh, Dermar during his play, like his time at Cincinnati. He watched him play throughout his college career. But he embraced him coming back because for people who remember, DeMar went back to school to finish his degree to get that, to finish school so he could be able to coach. Wes Miller took that opportunity to really allow him to do that and begin his coaching career, which shows that he embraces the former players as well. 
Absolutely. And third, recruiting. Um, So I said community, former players, and recruiting. He and his staff are killing it on the recruiting trail. I mean, JT, if you get get on Instagram and Twitter, I'm seeing random kids I've never even heard of that are top players, and I see a C-Paw in their top five. Yep. I wasn't seeing that in a long time. You know what I mean? And I'm not searching the kid. I'm like, damn, this kid, this kid can go. Yeah, yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we get a chance. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when when they first got here and I saw how they were recruiting, I don't know if they land them toughly first year. They got Dan and and uh and Josh. But I saw how they were moving when they got them. I was like, these dudes are serious. Yeah. Yeah, like, serious man. They understand. They understand the relationships. They understand what it takes, man. It just, I just think they got, they got a raw deal with how they came in. Um, but at the end of the day, I think people need to understand. Probably, I mean, once he starts going to the tournament, well, I don't know what you're going to be able to say about him. Yeah, and piggybacking off the relationship aspect, for people who didn't check our interview out with Dan Skillings on the Bearcat Blitz Show. He opened up about what went down throughout the recruiting process with Coach Miller. For people who don't realize, Dan was obviously the late bloomer. His recruit, recruiting process jumped out late. But Wes Miller actually went and spent time at Dan's family's barber shop in Philadelphia. He let his dad cut Wes Miller's hair and just talk ball, chopped it up with his family. You don't see that. You don't hear those kind of stories too often in terms of recruiting. And that was something that Dan knew was going down, but it – wasn't communicate like Dan kept it from his family because he wanted to surprise his family. Like, Hey, coach is coming out here to see me. He wants to spend some time with you guys. Like that's the genuine relationships that Wes Miller is building. Wes Miller and his staff are building on the road in terms of recruiting because he's prioritizing, not just the young individual, but he's prioritizing the family as well. He's making the family feel welcomed. And we've seen that, but to hear Dan open up about what it was like for coach Miller, Miller to come out and spend time at his family at their barber shop get his hair cut, chop it up with his uh, family and whatnot. That's something that's pretty unique. And like for fans, you can see the kind of aspect of how Wes Miller is going into recruiting. We had Chad Dollar on here recruiting on our interview series as well. I mean, the recruiting pitch he gave to Alex, I mean, who wouldn't want to come play for that as a young individual? If he recruits the same way he recruited Alex on our show, hey, you want to win a national championship? That's how you start off your recruit recruiting process. You know how many te- how many kids are going to be like, okay, I'm going to start considering Cincinnati again. Yeah, I mean, so checking all the boxes, community, former players, recruiting. Now, fourth, current players. The the current players love Coach Miller and the staff. I mean, I I go to practice. You guys are, you know, around the team with the, the, the media stuff. And, I mean, you see these guys. I, I've got a good feel. I know when a guy doesn't like a coach or the staff or is disgruntled, but you're not getting that with Coach Miller and his staff. They're building great relationships with the current players. Um, the next piece is we are competitive. Year one in the Big 12. Like, come on. Like, that that's, that's crazy because prior to this, everybody said, well, we got to be patient because we're going to get killed year one. Yeah. Now, we're not getting killed. And now people are killing Wes and the staff for what the expectation prior to 
was totally different than what's going. So you've got to, you've got to give him. Now I can understand your, the, the, the fans frustration in that. Like, like, damn, I didn't think we were going to go at Kansas and win. I didn't think we were going to, but we were that close. Yeah. Just do a, B and C we get over the hump. And then, so they look at a, B and C falls on the coach. Like, well, if the coach would have done this, that we win this game. So they're frustrated West. Okay. Fine. But, You've got to have that understanding that, like you said, JT, this team is on the right trajectory. It's ahead of schedule. And last and final point that I want to make is whenever you take over a basketball program or a business, you're a CEO, you have to have that long-term vision for where you want your company and your basketball program to be. And Wes has that. And I love what I've heard from him in regards to that five-year, that big plan that he has for this basketball program that's going to make the fans and everybody kind of fall in love with Wes like they did with Hugs. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think about when Hugs took that job, Hugs had a plan to get to the Final Four. And, and guess what he did? He got to the Final Four quickly, right? Yeah. True. And I feel I feel like Wes is of that same out. Like I feel like this program's gonna get there very quickly under Wes Miller. You guys have any thoughts? Any final parting shots here? Uh all I got is fans take a step back, really break down, look at it, break it down, think about this team last year, think about it this year. Now, if we were in the AAC, I understand being mad at 15 and 9. But you're in the Big 12. You still got a puncher's chance. It's not over. Like last year, 15-9, it's over. Unless you make a run in the AAC tournament. And I'm talking about winning. Here, they just got to get steady. They just get steady. And like Neil said, go 5-2. and two, Which I'm writing. The, I got an article that's ready for tomorrow. For the, uh, the next day. So, probably be the same day it dropped. So, 5-2. Um, and two, I think 4-3, and three, honestly. Um, you still got a puncher's chance, man, because you're playing top tier teams. So, um, people just got to chill, man. Look in the mirror, think about it, take a deep breath, compart like understand, um, break down certain stuff. Like you said, a couple games they could have won, take that, be mad at why they lost it, but understand, would you think this team would be in this position right now? And that's all you got to do. Absolutely. Neil, any last words before we uh, sign off here? Yeah, just for the fans. I think they just have to trust the process and what Wes Miller is building and just take a step back, as JT mentioned, and just kind of look at the bigger picture here because you're looking at – you're going from the American to the Big 12, and look what he's done in year one without a full healthy lineup. I mean, just sit back, gauge that, and kind of reevaluate on your decisions if that's the way you're trending of, hey, he should be on the hot seat. You need to take a step back and reevaluate. That's that's just where I'm at on that. I think he's doing a fantastic job. And as you guys mentioned, I mean, look at what he's doing and recruiting in all different aspects, recruiting the Big 12, the community. We have seen it throughout the community, how he embraces the community as well. That's a huge impact. They just have to see the bigger picture and the results might not come yet. Yes, there was a couple games that they could have swung in their favor, but the results are still coming. And that's what people need to realize. Like the results are going to come, but they just have to trust the process. 
The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Visionary Cleaners is a locally owned company by former Bearcats student athletes. They specialize in high quality commercial cleaning of businesses, apartment, pre and post construction cleans. They can be reached at 513-388-7816 or contacted online at visionarycleaners.com. Fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Donahue Accounting Services, Smart Dog Solutions, Greg Hood and the Beachmont Toyota, and Visionary Cleaners. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online, DonahueAccountingService.com. And we want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to go back and listen to our interview with uh, John Newman. It was a great interview. Uh, I, I love doing these the interview series. We had Coach Dollar. Go back and check that one out. John Newman. And uh, hopefully we'll have another Bearcat player here in the future. We want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk Podcast. Go Bearcats!